seated this morning. Just before uh, we uh, jump into uh, our message this morning, uh, today I'm going to be sharing actually part one of a really a two-part uh, message called The Last Command. We'll get to that here in just a moment. Uh, but today is uh, really today in the next couple of weeks is a very special um, time for us as a church, as a congregation, actually all across uh, all three campuses starting today. Uh, we are all really jumping into this missions emphasis uh, that we have called Kingdom Builders. And I'll talk a little bit. I want to share, um, you've had flyers or inserts in your bulletins over the last couple of weeks that have outlined a little bit as to what Kingdom Builders is. Uh, but I want to take just a few moments before I share from the Word this morning to kind of outline for you what Kingdom Builders is, what that means for us, what this is going to look like uh, over the next couple of weeks and even as we move forward together as a congregation. Uh, what is Kingdom Builders? You saw in the uh, inserts over the last couple of weeks, uh, here is the definition that we are using for Kingdom Builders. Kingdom Builders are Christ followers committed to winning the lost, how many, uh, how many of us in this room are committed to winning the loss, partnering with God financially through a one fund above and beyond the tithe approach to support missions, fund overseas projects, plant churches in East Central Indiana, and complete capital projects? Now, I expect every single one of you to have that memorized by the time we get out of here today, all right? Um, I'm just kidding. I won't do that to you. But this is, this is what we are, when we talk about kingdom builders, uh, we are talking about Christ followers, us here in this room, that are committed. We are committed as a church. We are committed to winning the loss, and how are we going to do that? We're going to do that by partnering financially through a one-fund approach above and beyond the tithe. Let me just try to illustrate this for us just real briefly this morning. Um, we, we obviously, and, and some of you that maybe have been with us now for a while, uh, we used to have uh, several buckets when you, when you give on Sunday morning or when you give on online or when you give via a tithe envelope or however you give cash in the, uh, in the envelope on Sunday morning. Uh, we have our tithes and offerings bucket, um, and, and obviously that, that helps to continue the support in the ministries of the church. Uh, that enables us to continue to do what God has called us to do, to be a life-giving, healthy church uh, here in Dunkirk, Indiana. And we used to have like several other buckets. We would have um, a, a missions bucket. We would have a, um, a building bucket. And, and some of you are giving to the building campaign and, and, and even other buckets that you could give to. If you used to go online, you could see several drop-down menu options in terms of when you give. This is what you are giving to. But we are trying to um, simplify things, but also we want to really hone in on what we believe God is calling us to do as a church. And this is all across um, all three campuses at Glad Tidings Church. And so we are moving to really this two-bucket approach, tithes and offerings, and, and a tithe. I preached on it uh, several months ago, tithe being uh, 10%. So we have our tithes and offerings bucket, and then we will have the kingdom builders bucket. So when you give, when you give to the Kingdom Builders bucket, here are the different areas you you, you saw outside the, the banner. Um, really, the the logo for Kingdom Builders is missions, projects, and church planting. And so every time that you give, um, and if you've given to missions before, or if you've given to the building before, now what you'll be doing is giving to Kingdom Builders. And every time that you give to Kingdom Builders. 
Uh, you are supporting missionaries. Uh, you are helping provide seed money for future church plants here in East Central Indiana. Uh, you are helping provide uh, projects, whether it's building tabernacles or providing Bibles uh, for missionaries overseas. When you give to kingdom builders, uh, you are helping to fund local missions efforts. The partnership that we have uh, with West Jay Elementary, um, the, the festivals and the outreaches that we engage in every time that you give to kingdom builders, you are, you are investing in the kingdom of God um, all across all of those different projects, different ministries, and different initiatives. Really, kingdom builders, and let me just share this with you this morning, it's really about our hearts. And what I mean by that is this is the question that we have to ask. Does my heart long for what God's heart longs for? And how many know that God's heart longs to see prodigals, the lost, the unchurched, the unreached, come to know Christ. I'm going to talk a little bit more about that in my message here in just a few moments. But I think we all know that our citizenship here on earth, it is temporary. Uh, we are citizens ultimately of the kingdom of God. And no matter what we have here on earth, um, we are to use it, we are to steward it for the sake of the kingdom of God because we are citizens of his kingdom. And folks, I hope one day uh, when I am gathered around the throne of God, worshiping with people from every tribe, every nation, every tongue, I pray and hope that there are people gathered around that throne, part of the 3.1 billion that are unreached or have no access to the gospel. I pray that there are those people gathering around that same throne, worshiping the same king, because we invested and we poured into advancing God's kingdom. I've talked a lot about uh, the 1,400 here in Dunkirk that don't know Christ, the 13,000 in Jay County, the 212,000 in East Central Indiana. So every time, and this is, and this is not a, I'm not a, a, a fundraiser. That is not my job. That is not my, my task. I, I am here to present to you, to show to you that there is not just locally, but also globally, there is, there is a need for the gospel to enter into places where it's never been before. And so um, as you give to kingdom builders, as you put in money into that bucket, or as you pray, or as you go, you are making a difference for the kingdom of God, both locally and globally. Let me just show you a few other things um, this morning. In 2021, just to kind of give you an understanding of where we are, through October already, our missions giving uh, has exceeded over $10,000. That's money that you all have given to missions to help support people like Rebecca, to support other missionaries, to support missionary projects uh, across the globe, as well as to help support local efforts here in Dunkirk. And then in September, September 2020 through October 2021, many of you jumped on here at our groundbreaking service over a year ago. Many of you committed to being a part of the campaign for this building. And our goal was $50,000 in two years. And over in just one year already, $42,000 has come in. So thank you for your generosity, your partnership, and your faithfulness in that. In 2022, then moving forward, so what is our goal? For 2022, goal is to raise $15,000 for kingdom builders, and that will include money that will be given to missions, both missionaries that will allow us to continue to support the missionaries that we are presently supporting, 
but it will also allow us to expand our ability to continue to support other missionaries, both locally and across the globe. As you give to kingdom builders, it will help plant churches. Um, Part of that money will go toward the ECIA church planting uh, initiative. Um, Obviously, uh, the church that was planted here was a recipient of that. The church in Hartford City, Muncie North, which is getting ready to launch in another campus here very soon, and then projects, and that will be defined a little bit more later. I want to encourage you um, to also, and I'll mention this later, um, at the, uh, in the, in the um, Welcome Center area or in our lobby, uh, we have these that have been put together. These are um, the Kingdom Builder Project Guides. It has Muncie, Dunkirk, and Hartford City in it. I want to encourage all of you uh, to grab one of these at the table before you leave today. Uh, This explains a little bit more in detail. I don't want to take all the time up trying to explain everything there is about Kingdom Builders, but this will help kind of define what I'm talking about this morning. It will give you details as to what projects we're engaged in, what missionaries we are supporting. Uh, It will also show you um, what, what we plan to do for 2022, so make sure you pick one of those up. And then let me just mention this. This is something that, again, all, all three campuses are going to be engaged in. Um, over the next three weeks, we're going to be focusing our time on, on missions, on kingdom builders. But on November 21st, uh, we are going to give everybody an opportunity across all three campuses uh, to make a faith promise. Now, these cards that you see up on the screen, you don't have them today, uh, but these cards are available at the Welcome Center. If you want to look at them, it's probably hard to see the details on the screen, but, but you can look at them in a little bit more detail. Um, you can grab some at the Welcome Center. But on November 21st, we will uh, provide an opportunity for everyone to have a chance uh, to pray about and to really seek God's direction in terms of what you want to do when it comes to kingdom builders. Now, on there, you can't read this, but let me read it to you. Uh, making a faith promise, and here's how we want you to go about this. Number one, we want you, whether it's individually or as a, as a family, review your finances. Uh, consider your financial habits. And then begin to ask God what he would want you to give. This is not me or the church or anybody pressuring. This is between you and God. And really ask him and pray about what he wants you to give. And discuss this with your spouse. Please discuss it with your spouse. If you're married, uh, don't, don't uh, let me just, word of wisdom, discuss it with your spouse. Nothing else said. Uh, commit to obedience. Complete your faith promise card. Consider a Christmas offering. I'll talk more about that later. And consider setting up your monthly commitment through online giving. I'm talking about this today. We're not doing anything with the faith promise cards today. That will be on November 21st. But I'm talking about it today because I I want to ask you, I'm going to be doing this as your pastor, but I want to ask you and encourage you to spend the next couple of weeks praying and asking God, God, what parts do you want me to play in advancing the kingdom of God? And, and, And that is something that as you pray and as you seek direction from God, God will begin to reveal that to you. And I want you to, I want to ask you, challenge you, encourage you this morning, please Pray with me and begin to ask God, God, what part can I play? Let me just, as a side note, I know some of you have committed for two years and you are continuing as well as myself, continuing to give uh, to the building campaign. What we will be doing with that is that will become part of, it will fall into the bucket of kingdom builders. And, And so maybe what part you will play is just continuing in 2022 to give what you have already committed to giving to advancing God's kingdom 
And, and, but maybe God will reveal to you or, or really nudge you, okay, if I'm giving $25 a month, uh, maybe he wants me to give $30 a month. If I'm giving $10 a month, maybe he wants me to give 15 But again, I want to ask you guys, this is all I'm asking you to do. Not pressuring, not pushing. That is not my MO. I don't like to do that at all. And I'm definitely not a fundraiser. Uh, as a kid, I did not like sanding, selling candy bars. Um, I did not like going and selling cookie dough or anything like that. Despised it. But I want to ask you, um, just as your pastor, to please, please, please pray. Uh, pray and ask God, God, what can I do? How can I partner with you in advancing the kingdom of God? Again, wherever God's heart is, I pray that our heart would be, and if our heart is where God's heart is, our finances, our prayers, our um, resources will follow. I promise you that. If our heart beats for what God's heart beats for, then all of that will follow. So I want to just encourage you, ask you, challenge you, please Please be praying with me, asking God, God, what part can I play? And on November 21st, uh, we'll give everybody an opportunity to invest in, uh, in the kingdom of God. If you have any questions at all, uh, Jen will actually be at those tables in the lobby. Make sure you pick up these guides. We also have pens. Uh, if you love post-it notes, we have little post-it notes that can remind you uh, about kingdom builders as well. I would encourage you uh, to pick those up and make certain that you read through that. That will give you a better understanding of where we are. Uh, at this time, uh, one more thing. Uh, I know we have a lot going on this morning, but one more thing before I jump into the Word together. On Thursday, Thursday is Veterans Day, and I uh, want to just take a minute this morning to honor uh, all of those who presently serve, have served um, in our military at any level. I'm not going to have you come up here. I won't embarrass you or anything, but if you have served presently serve at some, in some capacity. Do you mind just standing for a minute? And I want to pray uh, over you. If, if you're here, there's a few of you this morning. Thank you. Um, thank you if you don't mind stand, standing. Would you just let them know how much we appreciate um, them this morning? Just remain standing if you would. Would you just pray with me this morning? Father, we are so thankful for those that have served or those that are presently serving. Uh, Lord, in our military, and, and God, I know that there's a lot of sacrifice uh, involved in that. Uh, many that have given their lives, um, many that have died as a result of the freedoms that we have today. And Lord, we are so incredibly thankful for their service, for their commitment to, Lord, our country, their commitment to the freedoms that we have. And, and Lord, even in a culture and a world where a lot of that seems to be um, just up in the air, God, we are still thankful for those that are serving those that have given their life and committed uh, to making certain that we can even have the freedom that we have today to worship, to worship you freely, and we're so thankful for that. But God, in that, we also, most importantly, give you thanks. We give you thanks, Jesus, because we have the ultimate freedom, because God, you gave up your one and only son, Jesus Christ, to go to the cross so that we could have eternal life, so that we could be set free from sin. And so, Lord, even as we honor and we recognize those that have given their life for this country, we most importantly recognize, honor, and give thanks to you, the one who has made possible our freedom, our freedom uh, to spend eternity with you, to be free from sin, and to worship you and to honor you. And we thank you for that today. We love you. We worship you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. You may be seated uh, this morning. If you have your Bibles with you, uh, turn to... Matthew 28, uh, Matthew 28. I'm going to talk rather quickly uh, this morning. Hopefully you can follow uh, quickly this morning. Uh, Matthew 28, we'll get to this in just a minute, but we are starting a brand new, brand new, just very short series called The Last 
command. Words matter. Last words matter even more. Usually it's the final word spoken that most often stirs in our soul way past the moment that it rolled off of our tongue. These words, are you guys ready? Let's roll. These were the final words spoken by Todd Beamer, passenger on United Flight 93 on September 11, 2001, for he and other passengers stormed and attempted to retake the cockpit from its hijackers just prior to its crashing near Shanksville, Pennsylvania. Last words matter. Just before Israel crosses over into the land of promise that was flourishing with milk and honey, Moses, in what would be labeled as his final speech in Deuteronomy, He instructs the people to do two things. One, to remember God who brought them up out of Egypt and to obey his commandments. Last words matter. The thief who hung on the cross next to Jesus, just in the final moments of Jesus upon the cross, I'm certain that thief cherished those last words of Jesus Christ that were spoken to him when he said to the thief, today you will be with me in paradise. Last words matter. Likely, there are some of you this morning that have spoken to you, have been spoken to you by someone you love or someone who has influenced you, some very last words that still hold true or ring true in your heart today that you cling tightly to. Likely the most famous, and certainly I would suggest to you the most important last words ever spoken and heard come from Jesus' mouth. After his resurrection, and just prior to his ascension, where he would return to the right hand of the Father and where he is still today interceding and praying for all of humanity, Jesus leaves his disciples with one final word. Matthew chapter 28, final words of Matthew, beginning in verse 18, Jesus says this to his disciples, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, And teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. Last words matter. For the next few weeks, we will be more carefully examining these powerful words, these challenging words, and these demanding words of Jesus. Within Christian circles, we often refer to this last command as the Great Commission. And as we spend really the next three weeks turning our attention to missions, here's what we are going to to really unpack. Number one, we're going to develop hopefully a greater understanding of and appreciation for our God-given mission as believers. Number two, my hope is that we will discover why Jesus' final mandate is vital and essential 
to Christianity. We will look at those two things today. And then number three, next week, we will look at this question and really determine how we as believers individually, but also as a church, how are we to go about obeying his last commandments? This is a phrase that I want you to remember, and I hope this sticks with you this morning. Jesus's last command must be, as a church, our first priority. Jesus's last command, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them, teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you, and I will be with you to the end of the age. Those last words of Jesus must be our first priority. Today, we're going to take just a few minutes to observe the meaning and significance of Jesus's last command. And and really today and next week, especially next week, I I will be even more... um, practical. I'm going to really lay out for us next week how we are engaging in this great commission as a church already. But then I really want us next week to look at how can we now move forward to continue to advance the kingdom of God. And so today I want to begin just really talking about, first of all, the basis of Jesus's mandate here in Matthew 28. The mandate itself is go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them and teaching them. Now, this mandate is different than any other mandate that has come before or that will come after. But why is it different? It's different because this final command, it rests completely on the authority of the risen Christ. I want you to get that this morning. This command, this mandate, this statement of Jesus, it is different than anything else that has been said before, any other mandate that is given, any other commission that has been uh, stated by any other person. It is different because this one rests on the authority of the person of Jesus Christ who is alive. He is the risen Lord. That is key to this commandment of Jesus. It says, then Jesus came to them and he said, listen, all authority, In where? In heaven and earth has been given to me. Now, I want to just kind of take you on a quick rabbit trail this morning. The authority of Jesus, and I I hope you get this this morning, the authority of Jesus wasn't any less prior to the resurrection. We know this, and we've looked at this when when we've been working through the Gospel of Mark, but we already know that Jesus taught as one who had a very distinct and very unique type of authority. We read in Matthew 7, 29, because he taught as one who had authority and not as the teachers of the law. We also know from Scripture that Jesus would actually share his authority to teach and to cast out demons with his disciples. When you get to Matthew chapter 10, verse 1, what does Jesus do? He calls together the 12 disciples and he gave them authority to drive out impure spirits to heal every disease and sickness. So he had authority and he shared that authority with his disciples. We even know from scripture that Satan even offered Jesus. Remember when Jesus was in the wilderness and he was tempted for 40 days and nights, no food, nothing. Satan comes to him and he tempts him. And we know that Satan even offered Jesus dominion over the kingdoms of the world if he worshiped Satan. But Jesus rightfully refused that invitation. Matthew 4, verses 8 through 10, again, the devil took him to a very high mountain and he showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their splendor. And all this, he said, I will give to you if you will just bow down to me and worship me. And Jesus said to him, away from me, Satan, for it is written, worship the Lord your God and serve him 
only. This authority that Jesus had, it was even spoken about by the prophet Daniel. Daniel chapter 7, verse 14, he was given authority, glory, and sovereign power. All nations and peoples of every language, they worshiped him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion that will not pass away, and his kingdom is one that will never be destroyed. But I want you to see this this morning, the sphere in which Jesus' authority was exercised, it was enlarged through his suffering, through his obedience, through his death, and through his resurrection. The resurrection of Jesus Christ and eventually his ascension, we will see that the authority of Jesus wasn't any less prior to the resurrection, but now his, his sphere of influence has been enlarged because of the resurrection. So what does Jesus say to his disciples? One of his last words, his final commands, he begins by saying, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me, the son, Jesus. Now, the father already earlier in in the gospels, um, Jesus will refer to his father as the Lord of heaven and earth. And so that authority already existed. But now Jesus, the son, has been given the sphere of his influence now exists in both heaven and earth on earth. This universal authority has been made available. Because all authority belongs to Jesus, then this last command, folks, this last command, the last words of Jesus should impel us forward on a universal mission. And what is that mission? To go and make disciples. Now, I want you to consider these valuable truths that are really related to this last command. This is just something to chew on this morning. Number one, we should always be about the business of making disciples. Let me explain. Some will translate um, the Great Commission. When you look at it, when you dig a little bit deeper and look at the original language, uh, you will see that, that the word go Uh, It can actually be translated as you are going or while you are going, make disciples. The command is actually make disciples. And the intention or, or the hope behind that is that anywhere and everywhere that you are, we should always be about the business of making disciples. And so when you read that, we should always make certain that that our goal and our objective is to make disciples of Jesus Christ as we go. And that means for us in this room, that means as we're, you know, in line at Walmart's and we're frustrated because the line's not moving, we should still be about the business of making disciples. That means while we're at work and and really the the circumstances of work aren't going so well, your employer is being nasty to you and you just had a rough day, even while we are there, we should still be about the business of making disciples. Number two, some will be called, this is key, some will be called to center their disciple-making efforts in a very specific region. Here at the end of my message, you're going to hear from Rebecca, and she's going to share a little bit about the specific mission that she has been called to and how God has called her to a very specific region to take the gospel to the ends of the earth. And so there are two sides to this kind of equation. Yes, we should always, all of us in this room as believers, it is our mission. We should adhere and obey those last words of Jesus. We should always be about making disciples wherever we are at, but we cannot neglect, and, and this is a whole nother sermon, but we cannot neglect the call to a very specific people, to a very specific region, or to a very specific community. Sometimes I think we get in this, this 
um, in our minds or in our heads that, that, okay, everyone, yes, everyone is to be about the mission. Everyone is to be about making disciples, and we can do that anywhere and everywhere that we go, but we need to make certain that we do not neglect. And I believe that maybe even here in this room, there are people that God is still calling to go to a very specific region, to go to a very specific people group, to go to places where the gospel has not been given access yet. And so let's not not look at the command as we're going and then just ignore the call part. There there are people that are still being called, and we should pray that people are still being called to, to maybe leave their very comfortable area and go to places to take the gospel of Jesus Christ. Number three, we can't dismiss the call to go because God still calls people to go to specific regions and people. How many would say amen to that? God is still calling. And, and, and folks, I, I pray, when I pray for you on Sunday mornings, I come here and I walk around this sanctuary and, and now you all are starting to sit in about the same seat so I can probably pray a little bit more specific for you. But as I pray for you, you know, I am praying very specifically that, that God would call people out of this church uh, to, to go, to go to places where the gospel has never been taken or go to places where there are churches that need to be planted or, or maybe there's future campus pastors that are going to be a part of the ECIA church network here and I'm praying that God would still call people. Uh, one writer said this, mission is not a burden laid upon the church. It is a gift and a promise to the church. It is faithful. Command arises from the gift. Jesus reigns and all authority has been given to him in earth and in heaven. When we understand that, we shall not need to be told to let it be known. Rather, we shall not be able to keep silent. That is the basis. The basis of this commandment is the authority that belongs to Jesus Christ, the resurrected one. He has been given authority in all of heaven and on earth. Let's talk about the scope of the mandate real briefly this morning. Looking on in Matthew 28, verse 19, Therefore go and make disciples, whereof all nations... Prior to the death and resurrection of Jesus, the disciples were specifically instructed to go where? To the lost sheep of Israel. Look in Matthew chapter 10. Look at verses 5 and 6. These 12 Jesus sent out with following instructions. Do not go among the Gentiles. This is before his death, before his resurrection. Do not go among the Gentiles or any ta- enter any town of the Samaritans. Rather, go where? To the lost sheep of Israel. So very narrow mission field where God was sending the 12 disciples. But after his resurrection, the scope of this mandate is is so expanded, it it includes all the nations, all peoples, both Jews and Gentiles alike. But now Jesus' last command, it enlarges the scope of this mission, and we see two Jews and Gentiles. In Ephesians chapter 2, verses 17 and 18, he brought this good news of peace to you, Gentiles, who were far away from him, and peace to the Jews who were near. And now all of us can come to the Father through the same Holy Spirit because of what Christ has done for us. Luke even provides kind of a geographical map for us in terms of the scope of his mission. We read in Luke, uh, we read in Acts, the, the second volume of, of Luke Acts. We read in Acts chapter 1, verse 8, you will be my witnesses where in Jerusalem, that's really the local mission field, Judea and Samaria, and then to the uttermost parts of the earth. If you read the rest of Acts, when you get to chapter 8, persecution comes, and what happens? Some of the believers in Jerusalem have to scatter because of persecution. And where do they go? They go to Judea. They go to Samaria. They start to enlarge the mission field. And wherever they go, because they are carriers of the gospel of Jesus Christ, what happens? The gospel goes with them. 
And we get to chapter 13, and, and Paul and Barnabas, they are in church in Antioch, and hands are laid upon Paul and Barnabas, and the Holy Spirit comes, and they are commissioned. And what do they do? They go, and they begin to take the gospel to the ends of the earth. We see in Paul's three missionary journeys, and he makes it possible to spread the gospel to the ends of the earth. Paul will say in Romans 1, verse 16, I am not ashamed of this good news about Christ. It is the power of God at work, saving anyone who believes. To the Jew first, but also to the Gentile. The scope of this mission, therefore go and make disciples of all nations. The Assemblies of God is mission. Assemblies of God, world missions, exist for this very purpose. This is really their, their mission statement. And look at it up on the screen. We exist Assemblies of God, world missions, we exist so all can hear the hope of the gospel. Our commitment extends to all people in all nations, regardless of remoteness, rejection, or resistance. So folks, every time that you give to kingdom builders, every time that you give to a missionary, every time that you pray for a missionary, you are a part of this mission. They exist so the hope of the gospel can be heard and their commitment extends to all peoples in all nations, regardless of remoteness, remoteness, rejection, or resistance. The goal is to get the gospel into regions, into places, into communities, into villages where the gospel has never been heard. Glad Tidings has also embraced the scope of this mission. I'm going to do something a little bit different. Uh, we're going to throw some things up on the screen. I don't know how well you'll be able to see it. Um, I can always send this to you later. Maybe up on the big screen, you can see it better. Um, this just gives you, within the Assemblies of God, AGWM, Assemblies of God World Missions, um, there are different regions that really are focused upon. Um, you can see Latin America and Caribbean. You can see Africa, Europe, Eurasia, Northern Asia, and Asia Pacific. There's another organization, the International Ministries, and there's AGUS Missions. You can go to the next screen. Uh, I just want to kind of give you a quick taste, and I'm going to have Brian go through these quickly here. Um, I'm not going to read all of these statistics to you. I just want you to see in the Latin America and Caribbean area, um, presently there are 504 missionaries and missionary associates of the Assemblies of God that exist uh, in this region. But I want you to see on the right-hand side, um, there are 533,865,072 people that are spiritually lost. 82% of the population in this region does not know Jesus Christ. You can go to the next screen. Here's just a few of the missionaries. Um, the, um, Paul and Lana, Rich and Wanda, Mark and Patricia. You can go to the next, uh, next screen. This is the Europe region. Um, you can see that 96.9% of the population in this Europe region, 558 million people are unchurched, are spiritually lost. You can go to the next screen. Here's just some of the missionaries that we support. You can go to the next one. These names are in the uh, Kingdom Builders Guide, so you can see that. Next one. Eurasia. 2,681,245,516. people in this region unchurched, spiritually lost. Go to the next one. It's a few of the Individuals, one may look a little familiar. <laughs> Next one, Northern Asia. Um, 
one million three hundred and twenty, or sorry, one billion three hundred and twenty-five million three hundred ten thousand six hundred eighty-four, ninety-two point five percent, the people that are spiritually lost. It says unknown missionaries and associates, um, because primarily this is in an area that is very sensitive, and most are. Uh, we're not even going to show you any pictures um, of anybody that is supported there for various reasons. So go to the next screen. Africa. 925 million or 81.7% of the population spiritually lost. Go to the next screen, a couple of screens. Some of the missionaries that, these are missionaries that Glad Tidings as a whole um, are supporting monthly. Um, believe over 40 or so missionaries that because of everyone, because of your support, your giving, uh, giving to kingdom builders, giving to missions, that is made possible. And in Asia Pacific, 94.8% of the population are 880, or 887 million that are spiritually lost. Go to the next screen. And the next one. You can go to the next one. Just wanted to give you a taste this morning, the scope, scope of our mandate. Locally, Dunkirk, Jay County, Indiana, United States, but globally, and all of those regions that you see, there are people that need to hear the good news, the gospel of Jesus Christ. And how do they hear? They hear when people go to preach to them. And how do people get to preach to them? Well, people have to be sent. How are people sent? Well, they're sent out of the church through prayers, through giving, through your support, through our support as a church. That's how the gospel gets to the ends of the earth. And, and, and God may not be calling you know, you to necessarily go, but he might be calling us to pray more, to give more, uh, so that others can continue the ministry that God has called us to. Let me talk about, I'm almost done, talk about the content of the mandate. Pretty simply, Jesus says, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. So really the focus, the content is focusing the teaching of Jesus' commandments. Um, focus of our teaching is Jesus' commandments. In Matthew's gospel, there's five large teaching sections. There's the Sermon on the Mount. There's the Beatitudes, the Great Commandments. Love God with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love our neighbor as ourselves. Jesus, up to this point, he was the sole teacher, but now he is commanding others to teach what they have been taught themselves. A couple things to note. Number one, there is never a time where Jesus' teaching becomes outdated, untrue, or irrelevant. The word of God, it doesn't matter if we're 3,000, 4,000, 5,000 years in, the word of God never becomes untrue, outdated, or irrelevant. This is, this is a revelation of who God is, and these we have inside this book, we have the teachings of Jesus Christ. And so we've been given the content. We've been given the content. Now we must be obedient to share that the instruction of Jesus is not mere dogma that is meant to be simply analyzed, but instead content that is supposed to be obeyed by his followers. To teach the commandments of Jesus, we must be learning and growing ourselves. That's why our vision, mission here at Glad Tidings is to develop biblically sound believers who reflect the character of Christ. How can we teach the commandments of Jesus faithfully and obediently if we don't know the word of God ourselves. We need to be biblically sound, but not so we can brag about how much we know or how much knowledge we have. We need to be biblically sound. We need to know the word of God so we can be faithful communicators, faithful witnesses, 
faithful missionaries of the gospel of Jesus Christ. I can't, I can't tell somebody about the word of God if I've not consumed it and digested it myself. That's why, folks, that's why we are committed to making certain that we are developing biblically sound believers who then reflect the character of Christ so we can be faithful ambassadors of the kingdom of God. Let me end with this. I know this message today and next week, well, it's going to look a little bit different. But I want to end with this, the urgency then of the mandates. The urgency of the mandates. Consider this. Why are these last words of Jesus, why are they so important to us today? Number one, the spiritual harvest is still plentiful. The words of Jesus, the gospel of Matthew, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers or the laborers are few is still ringing true today. The, the harvest is still plentiful which is why these last words of Jesus to go and make disciples is still vital and necessary today. It's a matter of urgency because the spiritual harvest is still, is still plentiful. Let me give you a taste of that. I already did with the screens, but let me just kind of point us in a little bit more narrow of a focus this morning. Unreached people groups. What does that even mean? Unreached people groups, that means that it's a group of people or a community or a village or an area that lacks indigenous believers inadequate resources to evangelize without cross-cultural assistance. People group is considered unreached if there is less than 2% of its population that are considered evangelical Christians. So how many people groups are there? There are 17,410 people groups that exist across the globe. How many of them are unreached? 7,398, 42.5% of the people groups that exist on this planet, they are unreached, which means they have no access. Think about how easy we have access to the gospel. I mean, we can pull it up on our phones, on our iPads. We can go to the Christian, well, I don't, Christian bookstores. I don't know if those, those exist. We can go online to christianbook.com or Amazon or wherever. We can purchase Bibles. We have so easily access to the gospel of Jesus Christ. And there are, there are 7,398 people groups, or put it in a little bit different perspective, of the 7.84 billion people on the planet, 3.28 billion people, 3.28 billion people of the population is unreached. And I'm talking about, this is not people that, that you know, have access to the gospel but just don't follow Jesus Christ. It's 3.28 billion people. They don't have access to the gospel. The name of Jesus is a name that they've never heard. We have this access so easily, yet there are so many that don't even have access to the gospel. Unreached people groups. What about the unchurched even in our own backyards? It's 1,400 in Dunkirk that are unchurched, they're spiritually lost. 13,000 in Jay County, 212,000 in East Central Indiana that are unchurched. Not just globally, not just unreached, but even in our own backyards, there are people that are spiritually lost. This is why the Great Commission must be a matter of urgency. Folks, heaven and hell this isn't a message on heaven and hell, but heaven and hell are real. Read about it in Revelation. Read about it through Scripture. Christ is returning. How many believe that Christ is coming back? Amen? And if Christ is coming back, and the reality is we don't know when, 
Um, we can try to chart it out as much as we want, and folks, we're never going to figure it out, but we need to make cer- certain, number one, that we're ready, and number two, that we are doing everything in our own power with the help of the Holy Spirit, partnering with God to make certain that other people are ready. So that 3.28 billion people that are unreached or the 1,400 here in Dunkirk that are unchurched, we can make certain that those numbers are starting to come down so that one day when you and I gather around the throne of God, we will be worshiping with people from every tribe, every nation, and every tongue. But until his return, our work here is not done. One theologian, professor, and author said this, God alone, who has told us that this gospel of the kingdom shall be preached in the whole world for a testimony unto all the nations, will know when that objective has been accomplished. But I do not need to know. I know only one thing. Christ has not yet returned. Therefore, the task is not yet done. When it is done, Christ will come. Our responsibility is not to insist on defining the terms of our task. Our responsibility is to complete it. So as long as Christ does not return, our work here is not done. So we said, let us get busy and let's complete our mission. Jesus' last command must be our first priority. Certainly was for a man by the name of William Carey. Some of you may know that name. When William Carey, the father of modern missions, first tried to convince fellow Baptists that the Great Commission required them, not just the early disciples, to go out into all the world and make disciples, he was met with fierce resistance. At one meeting, an older pastor interrupted Carey's impassioned pleas, saying, Young man, sit down. When God pleases to convert the heathen, he will do it without your aid and mine. So anxious was the man to protect the sovereignty of God, he failed to appreciate one fact, repeated time and again throughout the history of the church. Listen to this. When God pleases to do anything on earth, excuse me, yes, when God pleases to do anything on earth, he uses your aid and mine. He uses people. He uses the local church. We just heard a powerful message last week from Dr. Lenny Lucchetti talking about how the local church is vital in carrying out the mission of God. Thankfully, William Carey would have have none of this man's bad theology. He ended up going to India as a missionary and as a result inspired hundreds and thousands of other 19th century British and American Christians to do the same. And today, millions in China, Africa, and Latin America claim Jesus as their Lord because God used some person, missionary or friend, to bring them the good news of Jesus Christ. Jesus' last command must be embraced with a sense of urgency. Next week, we're going to dive a little bit deeper, a bit more practical, and talk about how we as the church can very specifically, what is it going to look like for you, for me, for this church to engage the Great Commission, to engage the mission of God? But I have one last question, and then Rebecca is going to come and just share briefly about the mission that God has called her to. Here's a question I want you to think on, even as she shares and even as we end in worship together today. Is the Great Commission such a matter of urgency for you, for me? 
that you are willing to be used of God however he desires. Maybe that means to pray or pray more. Maybe that means to give or give more. Maybe that means to send, to support. Maybe it means to go. But is the Great Commission such a matter of urgency to you? And is Jesus' last command your first priority that you are willing to be used of God however he desires? At this time, Rebecca is going to come. And uh, if I can grab that, yes. This is Rebecca Polly. Um, I'll let her introduce herself to you, but she's here to um, share with us, and then I'll come back up when she's done. All right. Awesome. Thank you, Pastor Kyle. Wow, what an incredible message. Um, definitely every missionary's heart right there, <laughs> for sure. Um, well, like you said, my name is Rebecca. I am a missionary to the country of Lithuania. I have a picture here in just a second of where that might be. When the Lord asked me to go to Lithuania, I was like, "That I will absolutely do that, Lord, but you're going to have to tell me where in the world that is. I don't know what you're talking about. And so I, I gave you a little bit of a map. Um, like earlier, it might be difficult to see, but it is right there. Um, it's in Eastern Europe. It's right next to Russia, right in between Russia and the Baltic Sea. And so the reason why you might not have known where it was is about just 30 years ago, it was a part of the USSR. And so that's probably why you may not have heard it for a while, but that's where it is. On the next slide, you'll see um, a little bit of a picture. In the country of Lithuania, there are 2.7 million people. Now, to give you a point of reference, um, in the city of in Chicago, they actually also have 2.7 million people. And so it's a small place. Yes, it is a small place, but there is a great need like he was sharing earlier, of those 2.7 million people, less than 2% of them are evangelical Christian. Now, this is not a third world country like most of the time you hear about. This is a first world country, a prospering country in Europe. And less than 2% of them are evangelical Christian. It's mind-blowing to me to think that. But that's because just 30 years ago, they were ruled by an atheistic government that forced them to believe that there was no God. That there wasn't a living God that loved them and cared for them and wanted a relationship with them. And so that's actually why my, my team and I are there in Lithuania. We are there to share that truth with them. Because what an opportune moment for them to be in this stage of their lives where they are learning about who they are again as Lithuanians. What an opportune moment for us to be like, hey, let me tell you what the truth is. Yeah, you're a Lithuanian, but guess what? You're a child of God. And he wants a relationship with you, and he wants to know you. And he wants you to know him and know that you're loved. And so my, my team and I are there. We are church planning. It's so fun to be here at Glad Tidings because I was like, I feel like I'm at home because you guys are doing the same things that we are. We're planting a church. We're sharing Christ with the people in our community. We're getting to know them. We're language learning, which might be a little bit different than Glad Tidings, but, but we're planting churches and we're starting campuses. I love that Pastor Kyle was sharing so many pictures of how the, the building came, um, came to be because I was like, we've been there. <laughs> Just in 2019, October 27th, we were able to launch Journey Church Vilnius. You'll see on the screen here our building 
There it is. Oh, wonderful, my home. Um, this is Journey Church Vilness. We found a building. We got to know people in our community. We were beginning to understand how to speak in Lithuania and all of those kinds of things. And then, like, like you might have heard, this was October of 2019, which means that something called a worldwide pandemic happened just four months later. And so our team was like, okay, well, what in the world? <laughs> what are we supposed to do? We just opened our building. We spent months renovating this place. We were all getting like in the groove of things. We were figuring out how to have a worship team. And, and people were finally coming and learning about who Jesus is. They were finding him. They were experiencing his presence for the first time in their lives. We were like, well, Lord, what's, what are you doing? What, what's happening right now? Well, the cool thing was is that in, in the midst of the pandemic, our team then were kind of forced to figure out what our next steps were as Americans. Well, do we come home? Do we, <laughs> what do we do? We've never been in a worldwide pandemic before. We're in another country. The medical system is totally different. Um, we don't know what to expect. But the Lord just asked us to be in simple obedience. He called us there for a purpose. He called us to share Jesus with these people and to love on them and care for them. And so we did that. We stayed and we figured out how in the world to do kids church on this thing right here, recording and pretending like boys and girls are on the other side responding to your questions. Goodness gracious, it's the most awkward thing in the world. <laughs> but the Lord opened that door for us to be able to do that. Now, when I first moved to Lithuania, um, our team actually was given an opportunity, not outside of just the church planning, but we had a high school actually approach us and say, hey, you're Americans, you speak English, can you come into our high school and teach English? And so we were like, well, obviously, you, you do realize what we're here for, that we, we are missionaries, and we're planting a church, we're starting a church, we tell people about Jesus. And they're like, yeah, 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 but can you come teach English? And that might not sound awkward to you or weird to you, but in Lithuania, it's still illegal to evangelize to those under the age of 18. And so for them to invite us as, as Christians, as believers, as missionaries, to come into their classroom and, and not necessarily evangelize to them, but tell them stories from a specific book in English, <laughs> we were kind of like, wow, God, this is an incredible opportunity. And in that, in that, in that opportunity, we were able to get to know these high school students and so it was just an incredible time of how God was showing his faithfulness throughout the pandemic and throughout all of those kinds of things. But what was really interesting and what was amazing and how God moved was in the pandemic while we were live streaming our, our services on Facebook and figuring that out as a team and thinking, wow, what a failure we are. We, we aren't using our building anymore. We're having to record these in our homes even. We're not even seeing, well, who knows what's happening to the building right now. Um, what we noticed is that on Sundays, as we were responding to the Facebook Live, we were noticing these names that we recognized. And we were like, wait a minute, that's one of our students from English class. Wait a minute, they're responding and they're saying, wow, this is really interesting, or oh, hi, Pastor Luke, or blah, 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 blah. It was incredible to see how God was using just that obedience of saying, okay, yes, Lord, Put me wherever you want me to be. You, you want us here right now? We're going to stay here even though we're uncomfortable and inconvenient, a little scared of what's going on in the world. <laughs> but God was using that to speak to the students there. And so um, it was just an incredible time to see how God was using that venue 
even though we were, like, not sure of what was going on. But like I said, the Lord was moving. He was doing all these amazing things. And so actually what you're seeing on the screen is not our first Sunday. This was our one-year celebration in October of 2020. This is how God moved, even in the midst of a pandemic, and how he was speaking to people through a Facebook live stream when they couldn't legally step into our building because they would be too young without permission. They could go online and watch whatever they wanted without their parents' permission. <laughs> I'll show you here in a minute just a, a, a picture of that moment that I want to share with you. Um, but more specifically, this is our Journey Kids classroom. Um, that's actually why I'm in Lithuania. I'm the children's director there. You might have noticed I'm a little bit of a, a bit much, um, usually to adults, but I am the children's director at Journey Church Vilnius. That's my heart. My heart is for boys and girls to know who Jesus is. And so what you actually see up on the screen is my kids. That's my pride and joy right there. But also what, also what you also see is because you all invested in my ministry and what God was doing through me and you, how he was using me and using BGMC, everything in that room is through BGMC funds. Our chairs, our paint, our sound system, our projector, all those things. And because of that, those boys and girls get to every Sunday attend somewhere where they love, get to love on Jesus, where they have worship for the first time. They, all of the games, the Bible stories, where they get to learn who Jesus is. And that's because of your partnership as churches, as individuals, as people praying for us. I think I have one more picture of my kiddos, I believe. Yeah, there they are. <laughs> I can't not show you my kids, all right? Every kid that I teach, they're my kids, so they're not next, necessarily biological, but they're my kids. <laughs> but I want to go back to that story I was telling you earlier about how the Lord just used faithfulness throughout the pandemic. And yeah, we were a little uncomfortable when we were teaching English in this high school and unsure of what could happen to us. We could potentially get kicked out of the country if they caught us teaching stories from a book. Um, you know, we could get in trouble if their parents were coming back and having these complaints or, wow, they're watching this on Facebook. We don't want them to be a part of this. Why are they doing that? We were a little bit afraid and unsure, but we knew that the Lord could only use us as long as we were willing to say yes. And so that my final picture I want to show you, or the second to last picture, is this beautiful young lady. Her name is Dasha. And she is um, a young lady that was in our English club. She was one of those students that we got to know. We got to know her and share just Christ through how we were kind to her, how we cared for her, how we, we spoke to her, and all those kinds of things. And this is actually a picture of Dasha this past spring. I get emotional every time. I'm sorry. <laughs> but this is Dasha with her mother where she, when she was, the day that she was baptized, declaring to her family who was not believers and declaring to everybody that was there that Jesus was her Lord. And she had a relationship with him. And because of just the faithfulness of people like you and I, just simply saying yes to whatever the Lord has asked us to be a part of, whether that's praying, going, or, or um, giving, <laughs> sorry. Just simple yeses like that has changed this young woman's life. 
And she, to this day, is inviting her friends to come and, and find and experience who Jesus is and be changed by him. Let me tell you about Jesus. Hey, you should come to this event. Come get to know this person. I'm totally a different person because of this. Like I said, 30 years ago, Lithuania was ruled by this atheistic government who forced them to believe that there was no living God. Could you imagine with me in the next 30 years if more young girls like Dasha continued to know who Jesus is and shared with her, them and discipled each other and went to teaching and learn about Jesus? Could you imagine how Lithuania could look in the next 30 years through people like you and I. I hope one day that she walks up to you in heaven and says, because of your giving, because of your faithfulness, because of your prayers, I'm here today with Jesus because of your yeses. Because of your yeses. So like Pastor Kyle said earlier, there are three ways always that missionaries talk about how you can partner. And I hope that you choose one of these or two of these or all of them. I hope. That's my hope for you because the Lord wants to bless you and use you mightily in ways that you might think that you're not capable of. And so the first one obviously is always prayer. Be praying for us. If the Lord has given that, that ability to you to be a prayer warrior, please Say yes to that. If he hasn't and you feel like he hasn't, but he's asked you to do it, please say yes to that. My second one is obviously giving financially as well, like he was sharing. I mean, the only way that we can get back to the field is if we have financial commitments filled and raised. <laughs> so if the Lord is asking you to give, please give generously. And generosity is different for every single person. Somebody's yes to a $100 commitment is the same as somebody's $1 faith promise. It all depends on what the Lord asks you to do. Think of the woman with the two coins. That was her all. That was all she could give. But because the Lord told her to give, she was blessed. <laughs> and the last one, obviously, is to go. Like he shared all those statistics earlier about all of the different regions. Obviously, mine is a part of the Eurasia region. And, and like he was sharing, 2.6 billion people still don't know who Jesus is. And there are only, in my region currently, 615 missionaries. That's almost an impossible job for the 615 of us. So if the Lord ever speaks to you, and he uses everyone, I was sharing earlier with someone, I was like, you know what, the Lord uses everybody at different stages in life. Yes, I was, I'm a missionary now, but before I was a teacher in the east side of Indianapolis. He called me as a missionary, even though I was a teacher already. He has my sister who was an Amazon worker. <laughs> she was called to the field to be a missionary. There was a young woman that I served with for a year, and she was an engineer. She went to Purdue, okay? She is a smart cookie. <laughs> she has some wisdom there. But the Lord called her to be a missionary for a year. Not her lifetime, but for a year. Please consider that. If the Lord is speaking to you about going, whether that's for a lifetime, whether that's for a week long, please consider just simply saying yes. 
And so I'm so excited this morning. Pastor Kyle, thank you so much for allowing me to come and share. The Lord is using us to do incredible things. And so I just encourage every person in here to just be willing to simply say yes to whatever God has for you. Because you get to make a difference, not just in your communities, which you will get to do every single day. But you get to make a difference around the entire globe. And like I said, in heaven one day, you're going to have people walking up to you saying, because you prayed for the country of Lithuania, I am here. Because you sent a missionary like Rebecca with your finances to Lithuania, I'm here. And because you went to workplace and shared Jesus with your coworker, I'm here. Or getting called to Latin America or to the Eurasia region or to anywhere. I'm here because of your simple obedience and your willingness to just say yes. So Pastor Kyle, thank you so much for that time. And I hope you all feel encouraged. I do. And I appreciate you. (laughs) 